One of my favorite leisure times or hobbies is disc golf. Some of you may remember when the yellow baskets appeared at Jackson Recreational Park, I don't know how many years ago, and at first I was like, what is that? And I remember thinking that that would be a really neat family-friendly activity, and we're going to try it. So off to Walmart we go, and we got some neat little frisbees that had puppy paw prints on them, and we went out to Jackson Park and tried to throw our frisbees. And the frisbees we got were not really designed for what uh, we were trying to do, use them for. And I kind of hope nobody was watching us that day, but we probably twirled them and maybe got 50 feet. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember too much of the, the actual game, but it, we didn't have what, what we needed. Over the years, we learned, I would say, a lot. There is... There are a few in our family that have studied the science of a disc to the max and studied the science of how to throw it effectively. And there's amazing, it's amazing how many things you can do wrong, literally. That comes so naturally. When I went to first throw a frisbee, and still do, you, I tend to go like, curl your arm, and, and everything is all about rounding it off. And when you throw a disc, when you try to throw a disc well, there's so many things that happen in seconds. I mean, literally seconds. I mean, you can, if you really want to study how to throw a disc, you're going to be very concerned about your, your, uh, where your steps are, where your arm is, your reach back, your pull through, your release point, your follow through, and some of us are lost, right? And all that's in seconds. One thing goes wrong, and you guaranteed will lose some effectiveness of your throw. Do everything right, it's going to be more effective. Believe it or not, a few in our family uh, video the process and watch it on slow-mo to get every move down pat. They even got me out on a pad one time and had a drone above me and got footage of me doing my pull-through and throwing a disc. And then I watch it in slow-mo, and th there were many things that I was doing wrong. And I still am in the process of trying to improve, uh, throw it straight, don't round it off, and so many, so many things I'm trying to do right to be more effective in, in my throw. Well, it's one thing to not be effective in throwing a disc. Some of you could care less about throwing one of these far or straight. But every one of us here tonight should be very concerned about being effective when we handle the Word of God, whether it's teaching, whether it's preaching, whether it's a children's lesson or, or, or whatever. So, you know, I said there's so many things going on in, in seconds of when you throw a disc, and that's true. And I thought about public speaking, and there is so much going on in, in a, all at once. I mean, you're, you're controlling your nerves, you know what I mean? You're collecting your thoughts, 
you're engaging your audience, you're actually reading them, and you're trying to, you're trying to connect with them, you're using your voice up, down, your different tones of voice, you're using your body parts, your arms going this way, all that's happening, you're choosing words, the right words, and maybe we ought to watch ourselves in slow-mo. <laughs> Actually, uh, I, make, I may make a few reference to IMPAC. So when I talk about IMPAC, I'm talking about a communication conference that Rick Rhodes and Daryl Weaver do that's fairly intense. And we just had one about a, about a month ago out in Ohio. And in our little speech groups, we do actually encourage everyone that's speaking, that's serious about improving their speaking, to video themselves. And, and just to go back and watch what you're doing. One person says, no, I can't bring myself to do that. And I said, why? It, it's what we all see in videos. Don't exaggerate or lie. And I kind of understand watching yourself and hearing yourself is kind of brutal, but it's usually spot on to what really did happen. And actually, I would kind of encourage that to, if you want to improve, at least listen to yourself and look for ways that you can improve. Well, there's two primary parts of public speaking, and it is the preparation part and the delivery part. So last uh, month, we, did, we talked at, about uh, uh, preparation. And tonight, we're going to talk about delivery. So what's the hardest? That would be interesting to open it up. What's, where's the hard work? Is it preparation or is it delivery? And I would say emphatically, without thought, preparation is by far the hard work. Now, I do know that delivery can be very intense because it involves our nerves and we're so vulnerable and we wear a bullseye and all of that. But the hard work is definitely in the preparation. If I could reference uh, IMPAC again, there's eight sessions. Ironically, the first six all have to do with preparation. The seventh session finally is on points on delivery. So maybe having one on preparation and one on delivery is a little bit lopsided, but I plan to go through several points on delivery. I don't plan to uh, go back to preparation. I will say, I'll just re maybe re review the points, and the points were simply valuing your teaching, putting value on it. Secondly, having a clear point. And thirdly, uh, a few tips of, of preparation and putting it, putting it on paper. So, like I said, I don't plan to go back and talk about preparation, but I, but I will say that that is where the hard work is. That's where you really sweat and you really try to discern what is God saying, what does God want to say, and how can I deliver the point well? And that's hard work. Delivery, yeah, can be hard work as well, but I have 10 points tonight on 10 points that I think will help us have an effective delivery. 
So what I plan to do is go through our 10 points and then open it up because it is impossible to exhaust to, uh, all the points, things we should do or should not do. So I just chose 10 of them just for an even number and I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with 10 and then I'm going to hope that maybe we get a few more feedback. And if I would have one main point that overarches all 10, here it is, avoid distractions. Okay? So we're going, to pre, pre, uh, we're going to assume or presume that it's prepared well. It's in your heart and it's on paper. So you got it in your heart, you got it on paper, you got your notes. And by the way, your heart is right. That's, uh, that's kind of an assumed thing that we're, that we're uh, talking about. It's very hard to prepare and deliver well if our heart's not right. But we're going to assume that we prepared well, we, put, we have it in our heart, we have it on paper, and we're just ready to get up to speak. How are we going to get what we have in here and on paper to, into the minds and hearts of our audience? That's really what communication is all about. Communication is all about getting, transmitting ideas. Here you have an idea, and to get it, I mean, it happens all the time in the workplace. Sometimes it's frustrating when you, can't, when you cannot transmit ideas. So you got, all, you got this in your heart, and now it's you want to get it into the hearts and minds of your audience. And the, the main overarching point is just avoid distractions. That, I think, is what is going to uh, be an umbrella to all ten points. Number one, here we go. Be yourself. I think that's key. Don't try to imitate someone else. You are, you are uh, uniquely made, and just be yourself. You'll be most effective that way. Being yourself means controlling your nerves. I'm going to say that every one of us is going to struggle with stage fright, nervousness. It, it's, it's reality, and I don't care how long you speak, you're still going to deal with it. On Sunday mornings, when I preach, I normally am wake up before my alarm clock wakes me up. I just, it's just the way it is. And I, there's a couple of smiles. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You, it's just that nervousness. I don't know what it is. And uh, honestly, the more you do it, the more you can get over some of that. But uh, be yourself. Be natural. Control your nerves. Everyone gets nervous. A few tips maybe on nervousness. I think, it's, I think we do well to pray about it. If you really struggle with nervousness, just pray, God, I have a message that I want to transmit to the people, and just help me. And I think that there's a huge, you know, it's, it's really, the more I walk with God, the longer I walk with God, the more upset I am at myself. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. The, my greatest enemy is myself. Whatever I do, especially in public speaking, one of my greatest and one of your greatest enemies is yourself. Nervousness is all about being concerned about yourself. And when you can honestly get to the point that I really have a burden, that I really have something that God wants me to share, and you can get the focus on transmitting that and get rid of yourself. And that's so hard to do. D.L. Moody says well, what the, man has, uh, uh, the world has yet to see with a man that, can, that takes no side, even sideway glance at self-glory. So anyway, uh, pray about it. Just try to focus on transmitting the message. And I think preparing thoroughly and internalizing it has a lot to do with nervousness as well. When you really get it deep in your heart and you really want to trans, uh, transmit the ideas, 
Uh, I think there's, that, that is going to be related, at least, to our nervousness. And every one of us struggles in different ways with nervousness, but the more we can be relaxed, the more, the more your audience will be relaxed. If, if, if you're sitting listening to a person that is so worked up, you will immediately, without maybe even knowing it, you're going to get fidgety too. It's just, it's just the way it works. You get somebody that's relaxed, you're going to relax. So it's, uh, so it's my job and your job to try to, even though everything's happening inside, just relax. The point is for yourself. Your mood will always set the stage. Secondly, I, I mentioned this in, the, in the, the prior one on preparation. Never apologize. Never. Okay? That's, I hope that's a rule that everybody at Waterworks, Myerstown, Shenandoah, that's a district thing, right? We will never apologize. That's, that should go in our guidelines. We will never, ever apologize in any way, shape, or form. We will never say somebody can do it better than I can. If we want to say that, oh, Leon is so much more qualified to do this, and, then I should have said that when Leon asked me to do it. If you, want, if, if you ever apologize, apologize when you're asked to do it. Say, no, I'm going to be busy that week. Do your apology one-on-one. Never, ever apologize when you start out teaching or preaching in any way, shape, or form. God didn't call someone else. God called you. You said, yes, I will do it. And you stand up, and you're going to give it your best. Unfortunately, when we apologize, it's the, we use the very cream of the crop moment to do it. The cream of the crop moment in your speech is the first line, or the first minute, maybe. And I, as, as a coach at Impact, I enjoy helping people work on their speeches. And by the end of the week, they're usually coming to me and says, I know what you're going to ask me. You're going to ask me, what's your first line? I think the first line is so important. Or your, first, your first presentation of the idea. Sunday school, whatever, whenever you speak, your beginning first minute is so important. And the point is never apologize. So I'm not going to go back and tell you how, or in the preparation point, but I just want to emphasize that again in delivery. Never, ever, ever apologize. Thirdly, eye contact. As a rule of thumb, 90% of your time talking is looking right at the people. Okay? Just looking. And 10% at your notes. Now that's kind of hard to do. So for me, I must have a set of notes that is at a glance. I don't know how you do notes, and there's more than one way to do notes, but for, for me, I have to, it's, my main points are, are, are set apart, they're always in blue, and at a glance, I want to know right where, I, I, and as soon as I say that, I'll be stumbling and fumbling through my notes, but the best you can, prepare your notes, that you can use them, that they're there for you, but eye contact is so important. This is embarrassing. I remember mimicking a minister as a little boy, me and some of my brothers. And we, there was one person that I vividly remember. This is how he would, he would look at that corner and talk for a minute. And then he would look at that corner and talk for a minute. And that's basically the entire way through. 
Now, and I remember another man that was so engaging, and he was looking at you, and you couldn't escape. So, eye contact. Scan the entire audience as much as possible. This is kind of humorous. When I was uh, getting involved with impact, I was critiqued, so I had to go and give a speech, and they were helping me all through, through everything I was doing. And I vividly remember the person in the back, when it came, up to, came to eye contact, the person in the back said, excellent eye contact. <laughs> Guy in the front said, I was going to say that was very, very poor on a 1 to 10, 1. And now that's just me, okay? I tend, to, I, I tend to not zero in on the people right in the front. So as a rule, scan the entire audience. Eye contact. I think that's going to, that's going to be, make your lesson more effective. It engages everyone. The person that said in the front that said, I felt I was left out. He felt he was left out because I never looked at him. So, and there's a balance in all of that. You, when, you're public, when you're speaking publicly, you don't lock in on somebody because if you're sitting in the pew, that's, that can be very uncomfortable. So scan your entire audience. And it's a two-way street, by the way. Uh, is public speaking, maybe there should be se- uh, another session on, on public listen, or listening to public speakers. You know, there's so much is communicated to a, a, a speaker Speakers could tell you exactly who was drowsy. (laughs) Speakers could tell you exactly who was locked in. And locked in, engaged audience will always enhance communication. So eye contact is the point. Thirdly, uh, sorry, that that was number three. Number four, voice inflection. And here we're all made, uh, created so uniquely and created differently. But God gave every one of us a voice that has high tones and low tones. And I, I think it is so important that we use voice inflection when we speak. If we don't, you'll still, and just like if, if I do all the rules wrong in disc throwing, I'll still throw a disc, but I'll lose incredible, incredible in, uh, effectiveness. So it is with, with your voice. You'll, you'll get through the lesson, you'll teach, you'll preach, but you'll lose so much effectiveness if you just have a monotone voice and you just say everything in the same... Do you know what I'm saying? There's a reason that God gave us a voice that goes up and a voice that goes down. And I know there's some natural things here. Some people are given to that and some people aren't as much, but I think it is very important that we try to cultivate that as much as possible. I would love to uh, uh, turn to several scriptures, but do it sometime. Look at, just, just find a concordance and look up loud voice. And you'll find Jesus often with a loud voice said, if any man thirst, you think it would have been different? He said, if any man thirst. There's a time for a low voice. There's a time for a high voice. Another time in the scriptures, Jesus used a loud voice. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Do you think he had to raise his voice so Lazarus could hear him? <laughs> no, he was, it, it was a way to communicate a point. And I think voice, infection, voice inflection, when we fail to use it, we lose so much effectiveness. Now, there's a balance in everything. If, if, I, if I speak in a loud voice, uh, 
boisterous voice the entire time, that can be very uncomfortable as well. But just simply using it and using your tone, there's a time to speak in a very sad tone. And there's a, there's a time to speak in a very loud tone. I don't think when Jesus said to Peter, before the cock crows, you're gonna deny, deny me three times. I don't think he yelled that like he did, Lazarus, come forth! I think it was more of a, before the cock crows, you're gonna deny me three times. Our voice is so powerful. So use it. And so much is lost when we don't. For a very quiet, soft-spoken persons, I think, it, I think it just takes, I think it takes discipline. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable to get out of uh, some of our, our maybe natural ways, but anyway, be natural as well. So don't, there's a fine line there. Fifthly, speak clearly. There are some people that have hearing impediments, and they actually depend on reading lips. And can you imagine if I would just stand here like this and talk like this for a while? And in a, there may be, I mean, all of us are going to, I'm going to lose a lot of effectiveness, but there may be some that don't get a thing. And I, th I think it's so important to speak so clearly, as clearly as we can. Now, this is taking me out of my, out of my comfort zone, but try your best with pronunciation. <laughs> Did I just say that? I did. And even grammar. Try your best. I remember Harold Martin, dear brother Harold Martin, spoke to, uh, spoke to speakers and was encouraging them. And I remember he had a long list of words that are so often mispronounced. He said, you might go through it, and 90% of your audience may just not blink an eye, but 10% it will bother and you lost, and he said, you lost, you lost effectiveness. And then likewise with grammar. And I, that's an area that I do struggle, but I, I, I try my best to, and I think we all should try our best to pronounce well and use as good grammar as we can. Let me say it like this. A poorly pronounced word will, no, I'm saying, let me say it like this. A properly pronounced word will never distract or cause you to lose effectiveness. I think that's safe to say. Neither will a, a, perf, a, a proper grammar sentence. Is that proper grammar? <laughs> a mispronounced word and improper grammar will usually rob from your effectiveness, okay? Enough said, better go on to the next point, right? And we all pity the person that has to read the verse with uh, uh, five or six syllable names and, and city uh, his, uh, Bible references that we'd have no clue how to pronounce, right? We all have pity on that person, but uh, it's, yeah, we, we, we do, our, do our best. Let me say this, I cringe when I hear statements that devalue English class. English is taught to properly communicate. If we want to not put a high value on communication, transmitting ideas, then we should put a very low value on 
English, reading it and writing it. So I think we should, I think there's a connection between uh, learning English and speaking clearly. So we do our best, right? Read scriptures with zest is another the way David Berceau puts it in his book, Plain Speaking. When you read the scripture, try to make it come alive as possible. Don't be obnoxious, but try your best to make it come as alive as possible. It should never be a dull moment in the Sunday school class when the scripture is being read. It should be read with authority and effective as we possibly can. Read scriptures with zest. Use punctuation. When there's a sentence there, I'm sorry, a period there, stop for just a second and then move on. Those punctuation are, are only to enhance communication. So practice this at home. I think it'd be wonderful if every family, as much as we can, would read the Sunday school lesson as a family at least one time before we get to our Sunday school class. And we've read through it. We've all taken turns in some way, shape, or form. And, and read it with some spice and some zest. So the point is speak clearly. Number six, avoid word fillers. So, um, yeah, you know, okay, yeah, right? Uh, so, Every single one of us will do it. In speech class, uh, when I taught it at Lebanon Valley School, it was kind of fun. We would actually count others' ums. And it's kind of dangerous, but there are a few times where I've heard people say, I wanted to start counting their ums. It does, some, it does come so natural, but be it known, it's connected to your nerves. It really is. You're trying to think of the next thing to say, and you're just a, little, a bit nervous, and um, <laughs> it comes so natural, and it robs from your effectiveness. It is better to stop. In fact, we don't understand the power of pause. I have a long pause. <laughs> Sometimes you say something and let it sink in. Rather than put an um and okay, so um, that is precisely the purpose of the word selah in Psalms. It's an added period, a little longer period. Stop and let it sink in. So in our speaking, sometimes it's, it's just okay to pause. So avoid uh, word fillers as much as we can. Sometimes we, instead of word filler, we'll simply repeat the sentence. We repeat the sentence. We repeat the sentence. Now there's a place for repetition. There really is a reinforcing a point, but often a, a repeated phrase, a repeated phrase, is the exact same thing as a word filler. So try to avoid them as much as we can. First Peter two seven. Here's a verse. Listen to this. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. You see the way it was said? Four sentences in a, what? Twelve word or so verse. But the purpose is 
say it in short segments with a slight pause between the four. Between the, yeah, between the four. So that is avoid word fillers. And trust me, if I would do the brutal work of watching this recording, I could probably count, maybe you have already counted them. I know what my go-to word filler is. Maybe you figured it out. It's the word so. And sometimes there is a word, time to use the word so, but it's often I use it as a word filler. But we all, we all have them, we all struggle with them. Just consciously try to avoid them because we're losing effectiveness. Number seven, gestures. You can improve or increase effectiveness by using your body. Yes, it's not just your vocal cords that you're using. Your body says so much about and, and, and enhances or detracts from what you're saying. I found it interesting that Ezekiel was told in Ezekiel 6, verse 11, smite your hands, stomp your foot. Yeah, check it out. It's exactly what it says. Smite your hands, stomp your foot, and say, alas, the Lord says. Oh, why doesn't it just say, Go to the people and say, there is a time where a gesture adds so much. And it, it actually comes very natural for most of us in some way, shape, or form. Some more, some less. But don't be afraid of, of using gestures. There are things to avoid. Several things you probably saw me already do tonight. Just what does this communicate? That, I'm saying something when I do that. I, I really am. And, and you're actually probably noticing it. Oh, just Sometimes it's awkward. Actually, in our speech class, it's a lot of fun talking about gestures because some people throw up their hands and say, what do I do with my hands? I can't put them in my pocket. I can't do this. What do you do with them? Well, the answer is simple. The answer is be natural. And if it's so natural for you to stand here with your hand in your pocket, then it's probably not going to be a distraction. But if, it's, if you're really struggling with nervousness and you're just can't get your mind off of yourself and get it on communicating your, that's when I do all these awkward things with my hands. <laughs> yeah, be natural and, and neutral as much as possible. I know that's very hard. Just avoids, avoid things like uh, clenched, Fists, fingers squeezing, just a lot of things that we can do, gestures that are not enhancing our message. We, are you, we want to use gestures to be more effective. Okay? So number eight is facial expression. And this one's really short, really simple, right to the point. It is totally okay to smile when you're speaking. I think so, at least. So if you're teaching Sunday school or whatever you're, speak, whatever you're called to do, it's okay to smile. And I know it's hard to do when we're just really, really nervous. But no one is attracted 
to a forlorn, sad, gloomy expression. Nobody. There's always will be a more engagement with a smile. So as much as possible, your facial expression, keep it loose, keep it light, wear a smile. It definitely won't kill anyone. Another thing is match your, I don't know if I said this in gestures, but it's important in gestures and it's important in facial expression. Match your facial expression to your message as much as possible. Uh, if you're talking about the judgment of God and that's not the time to talk, wear a big smile, you know, God's gonna come and he is gonna pour out his wrath. And... No, God's gonna come and he's gonna pour out it. You get the point. Matching your facial expression to your message as much as you possibly can. Same with gestures. There are times to do certain things and there's times not to do certain things. So that's number eight. Number nine, and this one's to avoid. Avoid dress distractions. This is embarrassing. I'll confess. I didn't ask my wife if it's okay, but we were at a, we were at a, at a place where we heard someone speak multiple times and we were wondering when he's going to change the shirt that had a big spot on it that was probably there for a long time and it was day after day and it was a distraction. Fortunately, it was a very good, interesting speaker that uh, didn't lose effectiveness in other areas but in that one, he, he lost some because we were wondering when he's going to change his shirt. <laughs> I should have looked. I did a full 360 in the mirror. I wonder how honest you're going to be with me now. Did you ever just want to fix something on somebody? So as much as we can. And the Lord will humiliate every one of us in some way, shape, or form, okay? We, in, in public speaking, we will be humiliated one way or another, or maybe we won't be. We, we try our best, okay? We shouldn't take things too personal, but we very likely will uh, make a mistake somewhere. But I think it's important that we should do our best to avoid dress distractions. Maybe you watch someone speak and he kept adjusting his clothes somewhere. I'm not going to give you an example, but there, there are some people that, just, and it's a natural thing. They, they didn't try, they didn't even know they're, but if they would take the brutal work of watching it in slow-mo, they would say, you got to be kidding. No way. Yeah, videos don't lie. <laughs> Anyway, I, I, wanna, I don't want to make this public speaking thing too, oh, I can't reach it. It's just simply tips that we can all reach. At, the, at Impact, there's a slogan. It goes like this. When you speak, everyone will critique you. That's just the way it is. You will be critiqued. At Impact, we do it face-to-face. In other words, I think it is really good for us to be just open and honest. And, and, and remember, the goal is to be effective. This is not about trying to get a disc three, four, or 500 feet. This is communicating the word of God. And we should, be, we should do diligence to be effectiveness. 
And my last point, number 10, is manage time wisely. Have a plan. For me, I like my half-page notes. To me, notes, big, cumbersome notes can actually be a distraction. So I like my half-page notes, and that's my best time management plan. I know that something like this is going to take me between five, and it's, it, there's so many variables when I have to read a lot, but when it's just a bold point and a few thoughts underneath, I know that it's going to be about five to ten minutes per half page. And there are times where it, and you probably saw this, you know, and, and my wife is the most honest with me <laughs> in my speaking, and she knows exactly when I'm in trouble. <laughs> So manage time wisely. And that all goes back to preparation. There's another ditch, and that's too time conscious. So maybe, maybe we err on that. And just, okay, I'm on track. Yep, I'm on track. I'm on track. And in other words, I, I know I have about 40 minutes or whatever it is, so I'm going to try my best to manage it wisely and go through it. And, and you got to be flexible, especially in Sunday school. This really gets hard because sometimes there's a lot of discussion and sometimes there's not. But, you know, every teacher usually uh, fosters or does not foster discussion. And a very good taught Sunday school class will have a good lecture content and then opened up with, a, with some thought provocative questions and so on. So it's guided. I remember he hearing Cliff Schrock teach at uh, SMEI. And he, he does very well at, at teaching. And I just like the way he structures his lesson. It's content. You know he's driving at a point. And then you come to this. i just amazed how discussion just flows. But it's, it's, it's actually planned. And I know that's very, very hard to do. And if we would do it 24 or for a full-time job, it would probably help us. So be time conscious, manage your time wisely, don't be distracting with your time management, and, and you must be flexible. So I'm going to repeat the 10 points, and I'm going to open it up. Number one, be yourself. Number two, never apologize. Number three, eye contact. Use it. Number four, speak uh, voice inflection. Number five, speak clearly. Number six, avoid word fillers. Number seven, use gestures. Number eight, Facial expressions, use them. Number nine, avoid dress distractions. And number 10, manage your time. So that's, I think, 10 points that will help us be effective. So I would like to open it up for a minute. Uh, maybe you have a question on a point, but what I really hope that you have is something to add. There is so, you could easily add 10 more. I captured what, I, or I tried to, Communicate what I thought was 10 that came to forefront of my mind. What are some others? Public speaking, delivery. What are some things that we can do or things we should not do? Good. Practice beforehand. That's brutal. That's hard work. But take your notes. Some of us have wet ink when we, <laughs> when we uh, are walking in the church, and that's not good. Very good point. Practice beforehand. Run through it. That's, that's the go-to cliche at impact. When somebody comes back with a well-prepared speech, go practice it one more time. Any others? 
Very good. Sunny, how do you do it in Sunday school class? Huh? I was. Yeah. It's easy enough to take a cell phone and the front bench. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Uh, if I'm teaching or preaching, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So I will. I would suggest, hey, take my phone. Be very discreet. Record it. And to some. People may view, oh, that's very proud. That's just, uh, if you honest, from an honest heart, want to improve your effectiveness. That's, anyway, that's a very good, thank you for repeating that. Anyone else? Yes. So if you're speaking and you have a lot of content, don't ask what time you need to stop. No. Because then the problem is only you know. Oh, I mean, everybody else knows and you don't know. Honor it. In conclusion means in conclusion. Yep. Somebody said in conclusion, which is a meaning, meaningless preacher's statement. Very good. Okay, thank you very much. And I'm going to turn it back to you.